always say live and learn after a deeply personal and often surprisingly unpleasant experience? Well, I aim to turn that idiom on its head with more positive reinforcement through this podcast. Hi, I'm Shivraj Prashad, your host. The folks I've interviewed on my episodes have all taken that leap of faith to bring you the means to live a better life. With the 1% formula, if let's say at age 25, you know, you start a monthly SIP of 20, 20,000 mm-hmm. in equity mutual funds. Then by the time you are 40, you will have a corpus of 1 crore. Wow. I mean, considering 12%, conservative 12% growth rates. In another three years, you can start withdrawing 1% of this corpus monthly, which is 1 lakh per month for the rest of your life. This monthly stipend, what I say is a salary pension is your ticket to financial freedom in your 40s. As we wind down celebrations of the 75th anniversary of India's independence, ask yourself this question. How truly free are you to live your life and retire from the rat race? What if I tell you that is something as simple as a 1% formula to your financial freedom, which allows you to live a hassle-free existence much earlier than you reckoned? Yes, that is the premise of my next guest's new book. Meet Deepak Malik, founder of Simply Mutual. His book by the same name gives you insights into how you can make your money work for you and gives you access to the 1% formula to gain financial freedom. Deepak Malik, congratulations on the book and thank you for speaking to me on the Live and Learn podcast. Thank you, Shivraj. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we get into the details of your 1% formula, I think it would be interesting to have our listeners understand a bit about you and how and when, to quote from your book, you decided I didn't want to live all my life with some golden handcuffs. Golden handcuffs, yes. (laughs) I think that thought uh, started very early in my life. Even in my 20s, I was thinking about retirement. And retirement to me means financial freedom, to be able to work because I want to and not because I have to. So to tell you more about myself, I've worked for uh, 25 years in the mutual fund industry. And I've been fortunate to have uh, worked with some really brilliant people in this 25 years. I found a mentor who's today one of the oldest, most successful fund managers in the world. But towards the end of the employment stage of my career, say, I started to realize that I was doing a lot of things that I didn't enjoy doing. The recognition was great. The money was great, but it was really golden handcuffs. And apart from doing my own thing on my own terms, I wanted to spend more time with my family. My children were growing up and then they needed me. And I had built a a way towards financially being independent to be able to do all of that. So five years ago, I quit my job. Since then, I've been doing a lot of traveling. That's a passion for my entire family. I started Simply Mutual, my investments venture. And yes, I really enjoyed spending more time with my wife and kids. My son went to the US last week to pursue his undergrad in a top college there. I'm so glad I was there for him to guide him through all of that. And that's so important given the backdrop of our existence now with this pandemic to find that balance. But if I were to ask you to take a step back and sort of give us a sense of where the idea of the book actually came from, where would that be? So when I joined the financial services industry 25 years ago, a very minuscule number of people used to invest in uh, equities. And even today, 25 years later, I mean, uh, less than 10% of our financial wealth, I mean, I'm not even talking about, you know, real estate and gold and whatever, less than 10% of our financial wealth goes towards equities. I mean, this is, uh, 
I found that very strange because it's an extremely rewarding asset class. I always wondered why 90% of household wealth is parked in safe, fixed return instruments. And the more I spoke to uh, individual investors, the more I realized that equity investing is very misunderstood. People have these psychological barriers, you know, when it comes to share markets and some really outdated uh, beliefs about money that keeps them away. Even those that did invest in equities didn't know much about it. So I wanted to write a book for ind- individual investors that made it easy for them to understand what the equity market is about and the India opportunity that they are missing out on. Also give them a simple way to going about doing this. I think that's very interesting, Deepak, because when you, you, you alluded to this in your response as well, and that, that the fact is that everyone is very risk averse when it comes to equity investing. Many believe it is a risky proposition. Why do you have so much faith in that route? <laughs> I believe that risk is anything you don't understand. Mm. I mean, uh, the money lying in your bank FD runs the risk of losing value by way of inflation and taxes. And that too is a risk, right? Now, I've given this example of a mutual fund scheme uh, in my book that created 15 times one five more wealth than what bank FDs delivered in the last 25 years. Mm. And there are numerous such examples. That is the opportunity cost of not having the correct understanding of equity, I would say. And let's talk about mental well-being. Share with you my experiences in recent times. I've come across so many senior citizens who had planned their retirement around returns from bank FDs or some other safe you know, instrument. At 5-6% returns today, they're, they're completely out of their wits. Mm. I mean, absolutely devastated considering the fact that now they have they will have to eat into their principal and that might, might not last that long. The thing is, if people approach equity investing in a disciplined way and not like gambling on hearsay and tips, they can really tame the volatility. The key is not to trade, but invest really. I mean, invest wisely and stay invested. It's not a place to make a quick buck really. I mean, that's, that's how people look at it, you know, to just make a quick buck. It's actually a way of building long-term wealth And it really depends on how you look at it. And that's what you were talking about, simplicity. That's when the risk factor gets minimized. So what is the 1% formula for financial freedom? So I'll start with an example. We've always, uh, you know, seen those SIP calculators where, you know, small amounts become very large corpuses over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So the 1% formula starts with that. With the 1% formula, if let's say at age 25, you know, you start a monthly SIP of 20,000. Mm-hmm. in equity mutual funds then by the time you are 40 you will have a corpus of 1 crore wow i mean considering 12% conservative 12% growth rates in another 3 years you can start withdrawing 1% of this corpus monthly which is 1 lakh per month for the rest of your life this monthly stipend what i say is a salary pension is your ticket to financial freedom in your 40s now your book is quite rich. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence. You recount a lot of stories. Can you give us a sense, again, recounting some of those stories of how you came to the success of this formula? Most of my clients are following the 1% formula for their financial freedom. You know, one couple had seen our presentation when I was in Delhi 14 years ago, and they had started investing regularly through SIPs. So both of them were employed in large MNCs. They were able to invest 20,000 each in monthly SIPs and uh, periodically they also increased the SIP amounts, you know, whenever their increments happened, their income levels grow. 
So I always used to urge them, uh, you know, to postpone buying real estate in their early part of the careers and not get stuck with their EMIs. This happened for a long time. I was not in touch. They were not in touch with me. But in 2019, when they again got in touch with me, uh, when I had started my private practice, their combined corpus has grown to three three crores. Wow. <laughs> the wife had left her job uh, a few years ago when their child was born, and now the husband also wanted to quit. He wanted to set up his own consulting firm, you know, a startup. So uh, he wanted to understand the flexibility of going on his own when income generation from that startup would take some years, you know, maybe. So we did a quick uh, number crunching exercise as per the one percent formula. We assessed uh, all their expected monthly expenses in the coming years, including rent, school fees, everything. and kept a little extra just for some luxuries maybe and that added up to well under 3 lakhs that 3 lakh figure you know fitted well under our budget as per the 1% formula 3 crores 1% 3 lakhs per month mm-hmm. so what i asked them to do next is uh, just go through a 3 3 year cushion period before quitting and to create an emergency fund during those 3 years and they would be good to go towards their financial freedom journeys So I checked on their numbers recently. This was 2019 last. The numbers I gave you. Recently, what has happened is things have worked out very well for them. Although the three-year, you know, corpus went down when the pandemic happened in 2020 March. Markets fell from 40,000 uh, levels sensex to 28,000. But now they are back. Uh, you know, the markets are back, and the corpus has now grown actually from three to 3.9 crores. And by 2022, when they can, you know, uh, I've sort of indicated that they can start you know withdrawing 3 lakhs per month from their corpus to take care of their monthly expenses and they will be free to start the consulting venture wow and and you know in a lot of interviews that i've seen that you've done and in a lot of your writing you seem very bullish on the india story and the possibilities and you just quoted the stock market of course it remains a very robust one how does your research support that given that we continue to witness this volatility in the stock markets india still remains a hopeful story i would say india has a long way to go india today has the youngest population amongst large nations we have about 1 billion young educated aspirational working age people now in the working age people not only create more goods and services but consume more goods and services and there is a spiraling effect on demand uh, you know that happens even for our current consumer base the penetration of goods and services is very very low less than 10% of indians own cars less than 6% of indians own uh, room acs and and the list is you know uh, endless i mean uh, the penetration levels are really really you know low so there are immense opportunities for companies to bridge these gaps even amongst the existing consumer base i mean leave aside the the new fresh lot of youngsters who are coming for employment and for demanding goods and services there are immense opportunities for companies to bridge these gaps and generate profits so i would say across the country we are witnessing a demand spurt with you know rural electri- electrification 100% rural electrification was achieved recently increasing smartphone connectivity we've seen all that the good and bad of uh, of that happening and all the government initiatives i would say on digitization janthan yojana affordable housing so many other things it's just uh, creating a, such a lot of demand in the industries we are an established it and pharma hub for the world and uh, so many home grown world class uh, brands doing great business just by catering to our large domestic consumer base i mean 1.4 billion indians that's a huge consumer base 
even uh, for profit growth rate figures, uh, analysts are projecting upwards of 25 to 30% this year for the nifty companies, that is. The fact is that Indian economy for the last four decades has grown at about 14% nominal GDP growth rate. And uh, the Sensex has grown 530 times. You know, it was uh, in 1979, it was started out with a base of 100 and it's 530 times today. That's a 16% uh, CAGR. That's an opportunity that most people have missed out on, really. But the good news is that this opportunity will be there for the next three decades as well. And I'm very confident, very bullish on this opportunity. That's very interesting because as you begin providing in the book readers, real stories and instances, you also caution them. You tell them, don't be in a hurry. How important is patience and staying in the game in the context of equity investing? We all saw what happened in the markets, you know, during the uh, initial COVID phase. A 40,000 Sensex went down to 28,000 and today it's at 53,000 levels. I mean, really in the long term, markets track profit growth rates. What I just mentioned before, I mean, there is so much opportunity for our uh, for our industries, you know, to grow profits, to 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 grow their uh, sales, to cater to all our 140 crore uh, uh, consumer base, and uh, in the long run, markets will track profit growth rates, and it all boils down to patience. Those who stay invested reap rewards in the long run. And timing is everything too, right? Starting early will reap dividends is what you suggest. Why is that so critical, and why can't someone say? invest later and then a little bit more secure in life. So I just saw uh, an advertisement of a a mutual fund company, a very large fund, uh, you know, uh, their their advertisement said that a thousand rupee SIP made since inception, a monthly 1000 rupee uh, SIP made uh, since the inception of that fund has created a corpus of a crore today. Now, if you need to do that, you know, that same one crore, uh, you know, uh, in in 10 years, let's say, you would actually have to invest 40,000 a month. Just look at the difference. I mean, and especially, you know, uh, the power of compounding really works wonders over long periods of time. I mean, starting early means you start with smaller amounts and that don't hurt your pocket ever. You can actually also be witness to more cycles of the market, which gives you more resilience and a more practical understanding of the volatility of the markets and how to tame it. And what are the three to five key prerequisites to quitting the rat race? I'm asking you to actually summarize the entire book in one response. I think, first of all, uh, you know, one has to articulate for yourself, what would you do after you quit? I think that's very important. Nobody wants to, you know, go into nothingness. Sometimes, you know, uh, when you're in a job, uh, you know, the the rat race, the pressures of the rat race, you know, uh, you really can't think beyond that. But as closely as possible, you should articulate for yourself, what would you like to do after you you quit? So uh, number two, I would say, you know, have an idea of of your expenses as per your current lifestyle. I mean, you don't want to compromise uh, your existing lifestyle and uh, plan to be worry free about those monthly bills. One way of doing it is by the one percent formula. It's an excellent. I mean, it's one of the good ways of doing that. And in this uh, by this formula, if you go by this formula, uh, you should have a corpus of 100 times your monthly expenses three years before you wish to quit. That's interesting. And what, more importantly, are the questions one must ask oneself about when to call it? That is truly retire and live the life free of financial obligation. 
it comes to people um, differently i would say i mean it's, it's that's a very personal uh, question uh, one must ask you know oneself i mean i quit when i i thought i I've, I've stopped enjoying my my work and uh, you know and of course again i uh, started you know two three years before i actually quit so uh, and I, then i started thinking you know i didn't want to quit you know just at the spur of the moment it had to be a well thought of uh, you know what to do after that so it it's it's a very personal uh, depending upon your personal situation and everything really and it is about your own timeline as you pointed out but what are some things that individual investors should watch out for when they commit to this course of action to commit to the 1% formula i would say you know invest through equity mutual funds number 1 diversify your portfolio diversify across fund managers and invest only in diversified schemes start an sip and stay on course build an emergency fund for all your emergencies keep emotions at bay and make decisions based on fact and lastly don't panic now live and learn is all about leaving listeners with something to really chew on and you do that at the end of every new thought or chapter in the book right but if i were to ask you for that one single message from your perspective what would that be i think i would ask the listeners to really think about what they want in life most of us forget that we earn money to live the life we want and we just fall in this trap of earning money just for the sake of it so figure out your life goals and make a plan to build a corpus that will allow you to live those goals it's completely possible to go at it if you keep a level head and build an investment discipline that's it And Deepak how does one get access to the book because you've got a lot of things that you say in it and you've got a lot of anecdotes and data to back it more importantly how does one get in touch with you if they need to seek your help So my book is launching on 20th August it will be available on Amazon you can read a sample chapter right now or uh, even pre-order the book on my website uh, simplymutual.com my email id social media coordinates are all there I'll be very happy to hear from my readers Deepak Malik thank you so much for speaking to the Live and Learn podcast. My pleasure Shivraj uh, thank you so much for having me. You can also listen to past episodes of the Live and Learn podcast on liveandlearn.busprout.com. You can always reach me at shivraj@brevis.in in case you feel there is someone we should feature on the show. Also if you have some feedback for me. Until then Stay safe and stay in touch.